and welcome to the Back Page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how are things going with you? We haven't had a podcast for a while where we've just shot the shit and uh, see what's going down. So um, what's been new in, in your town or oh, life? Well, I've, I've obviously emerged from the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, basically learning to sort of live as a, as a full human again, um, which is which is fun. And I, yeah, I've I've not played like any game quite as intensively as I played that one, mm. and so now I'm I feel like the game, the part of my brain that decides what game I'm going to play next is is sort of frazzled. So yeah, I'm hoping it heals and I can work out what to do with my life. You got to play <laughs> Ambrose Island in Hitman Three, Matthew. That's got to be. On oh, your I, list. I, I have been playing that actually. I was playing that this morning. Uh, have you played it yet? I've actually just I just turned it on before we started recording this. Oh, okay. Um, there's a but, there's a a big slapping contest in it. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds more <laughs> yeah. like if you and I were at Agent Forty Seven. So I'm. Uh, it's very very odd. <laughs> okay, yeah. To kick us off, Matthew. Um, I've actually like arranged a little uh, calendar of what's coming up in August for the back page, just so listeners know. I'll fire through very, it very organised. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, we always like to tell people what we're up to, um, just to uh, also gives us a plan of what we're meant to be doing. Um, just useful in general, really. So this episode you're listening to now, the Steam Deck special, we'll discuss in a minute what that will look like. And um, that's obviously August 5th that this is uh, available to people. August 8th is our first Patreon exclusive episode of the month. Hitman Levels Reranked, that's the uh, Excel episode. We just mentioned Ambrose Island there. We will basically just do the entire episode as every single map just ranked. And um, talking about a subject that I think our listeners always enjoy um, enjoy discussing and uh, thinking about. Plus it's been, I guess, like a de- almost two years since our last Hitman episode, right? Because Hitman 3 is yeah. nearly two years old. So, yeah. And you'd, you'd, at the time, you'd played a bit of Hitman 3, but it I'd played a lot more of it, so it would be interesting to kind of see where you've you've landed on everything now. Yeah, because I, I hadn't played the very last level at that point. Um, I still haven't, actually. Um, you put me off it so much in that episode, Matthew. Oh, but... good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm guessing that one doesn't have any escalation contracts or anything. But um... Pray for the train. <laughs> So yeah, that'll be that'll be really fun to to go back over Hitman for sure. Um, we'll talk about that a bit on this episode too. So August twelfth is called Mailbag and Mini Game. So I will reveal what that is, Matthew. So we're going to answer a bunch of our listeners' questions. People know the deal with that. But um, I've pitched to Matthew that we do a '90s video game magazine quiz where we each have to read out quotes found from old games magazines, and then the other person has to guess which game is being referred to. I think that would be fun. How are you feeling about that one, Matthew? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, gonna gonna load up some scans because there's <laughs> no way I'm going into the attic to find scary old copies of magazines. <laughs> I might ask Dan Dawkins or Matt Pierce if they can let me into the future office so I can like go really deep into the archives, <laughs> pick out something that will completely frazzle you. That would be a, too much work, I think, for one silly sake. It's like that room with all the crates at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like they that. Stick, they stick all the old occult bad stuff. <laughs> it's like that, but it's like uh, about six by 20 meters. It's not quite the same thing. But yes, definitely as many uh, kind of horrors in there for sure. So uh, <laughs> August 26th is the 2000 to 2005 PC gaming draft. The 90s PC gaming draft, Matthew, definitely got mm-hmm. a lot of pe- a lot of um, tongues wagging with the old trespasser nonsense. That was, uh, <laughs> oh, that was well, fun. You will listen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> If that's how if that's how you choose to frame it, 
<laughs> no, no, congratulations on your victory, of course. But um, oh man, I feel like I feel like it's going to be a bit of a grudge match that one. It will be fine. So we'll do the same thing again. <laughs> Ten different categories covering just um, just six years of PC gaming there, but um, definitely like a, a great period where we, I think we've got even stronger thoughts on what we'd like to pick for this one. So I think people will really enjoy that one. And as ever, the listeners will be able to vote on that. And lastly, um, last episode of the month for our Excel uh, tier patrons is the best thriller movie. So the Excel tier always has one extra games podcast, one pop culture podcast a month. So me and Matthew will talk about some thriller movies. Excited to do my impressions of both Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, Matthew. I think that's going to be a treat. Um, any any thoughts to add on, on that list, Matthew? Uh, it sounds great. And if I wasn't subscribed to Patreon, I would get right on that. <laughs> a great advert. So yes, patreon.com slash backpagepod. This episode, though, the Steam Deck. I have one. Matthew, do you have one? Does Catherine have one? What's the deal with you in a Steam Catherine Deck? Catherine has one. And uh, I basically played it all day today. Oh, yeah. Cool. Let's start there. Like, um, how, uh, how, how has that been for you? Uh, yeah, good. Hot. It's quite warm. It, mm. it sort of it pumps out quite a lot of hot air. It's uh a, like a bit more PC, PC ish, uh than than I was expecting. Like it, kind of the the hot vent reminded me of gaming laptops. Um, but uh yeah, it's yeah it's been fun actually. Uh I've been, yeah installing some stuff. I mean a lot of today was basically spent trying to kind of get my head around like the particular quirks of it and work out how it all worked and functioned but um yeah i jumped in played some of um is it aperture desk job desk day job i can't remember what it's desk job yeah yes uh which is like the valve inbuilt thing and it's kind of like a uh nice little kind of tour of of the hardware so uh yeah i had fun actually yeah a lot of fun with it yeah it's the uh it's the (laughs) astro's playroom of uh the Steam Deck, I don't know, what's that, yeah. or Astrobot, whatever that one was on PS5 that came with the... Yeah, with the a little, a little uh, more slight than that. Yeah, for um, sure. But a very strange ending, very ominous credits. Uh, okay. I don't know, I don't know if we'll talk about this later, but... <laughs> no, I've actually not played that, so... Um, oh, that's... okay, yeah, it ends with, like, a- another sort of song, which I guess is, you know, sort of this is part of the portal universe so it sort of makes sense hmm. but it's very very sinister and mournful and i'm not entirely sure what they were going for with it um <laughs> it's it's not like uh considering this might be this is is this likely to be the first thing you play on steam deck obviously not in your case but well it wasn't people, for me but yeah a lot of people want their in. valve freebie yeah it, it, it doesn't like sort of sends you on your way with a kind of spring in your step it's on quite a dour sinister note um which i don't know sort of sets the tone for like the rest of my relationship with this this piece of hardware (laughs) yeah for sure so lay of the land then the steam deck has launched it is currently shipping in batches it's a handheld pc made by valve it features um, uh, triggers and analog sticks, a D-pad, and also two trackpads, which is, if you've ever used a Steam controller, very similar deal. You can kind of use it for some sort of like um, functional mouse control, face buttons, and a front touch screen. Um, it is quite big compared to a Nintendo Switch, I would say, um, noticeably. And as Matthew says, it does get quite hot. But this thing is enormously sought after. It's in the classic... 
CEX style mad economy where it's like uh, ext- you know extraordinary amounts of money to get hold of when you might as well just pre-order it and wait from Valve itself which was to be honest nice and straightforward I put in my my pre-order thing like last year and it's um, it's rolled around like qu- quickly enough uh, built up enough FOMO but also didn't feel like I had to wait forever for it so not not feeling tempted to sell it for a grand on eBay <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's a lot like that's two Steam Decks yeah, it is, but I like I don't know, I feel like I'd just be contributing to the problem. Do you know what I mean? I just I've I, I kinda hate the idea of scalpers and I feel like if I become one something bad will happen to me, like you a total will fall off. <laughs> you do well, it, it and then on Twitter you're like, God damn these scalpers Yeah. It never happened while I tuck into my new packet of cigars that I've bought, you know, for like <laughs> eight hundred quid or something. Um Yeah, yeah so it's nah. I've got to keep hold of it. It's too nice yeah, to get rid okay, of. Okay, well think. that's good. That's, um, that's that's what I like to hear. So I I did buy it thinking it was it was the novelty of a handheld gaming PC and the fact they were showing like Jedi Fallen Order running on it and stuff. I was there thinking, oh wow, okay, this this is properly powerful. Then they feel confident showing blockbuster games running on it. And yeah, and you know, I have a vast Steam library, so I thought, well, I'll just pick it up and see how it goes. And I absolutely adore it, Matthew. <laughs> I've um reached I've had it for 10 days and I've recharged it 15 times in that time. Now Whoa. it does drain batteries quite fast depending on the game you're playing. Um mm. it's not it's not too bad. It depends on how intensive the game is, but I absolutely adore it. It feels like a work in progress. There's always more games being added to the playable list, but I really like the interface of it. I really like how it makes you revisit parts of your steam library you hadn't thought about in years and Mm. offers new value to them and i think it's a really great complementary bit of hardware if you already own a gaming pc um Mm -hmm. whether i'd recommend it beyond that i will get to but that's my first thought matthew i can see why it's top of the steam sellers so what's your take on it as an overall sort of project yeah so when they first announced it, I was uh, quite um, dubious of it, mainly because. Uh, and, and is this based on just their their Steam controller? Maybe that and the faff of their their VR stuff as well. Like you know, I don't think they are necessarily like a natural hardware maker. Obviously, like a thing I love is Nintendo who take this stuff very seriously and have made it like a real art of 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 lovely user friendly hardware and to me you know i sort of in my head it's like gabe newell kind of hammering this thing together you know it's it's sort of got a bit of sort of diy kind of home homebrew kind of feel to it um and that isn't particularly what I want from a from a handheld. Or that 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 was my overarching thought. But then obviously, if people have kind of got it and said, well, you know, generally, like anecdotally, people have seemed to be really into it. Catherine definitely vouched for it, and um, yeah, playing it playing it myself today, uh, it sort of struck me that really once once you get to the heart of it, it's it's no more cumbersome or fussy than the pc experience already is and the ability to kind of untether that experience from sitting at my pc uh is actually kind of awesome Mm. um like my least favorite bit of pc gaming is having to sit at my pc because i associate it with work and it's a desk and it's just not very comfy 
Um, I, you know, maybe that's on me. I should buy a better chair. Um, but the idea that I can lounge around uh, playing, getting the benefits of PC gaming, I think is pretty great. Yeah, I completely agree. So a, bit, a big part of buying this for me is I've been working from home for the better part of a year. Um, before that, I was working from home like everyone was during the pandemic because, you know, there was we were all going to die otherwise if not just to yeah add, you know people <laughs> know the a, deal they just were there. a solemn reminder of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah just in case you've forgotten that the pandemic happened um so i was getting to the point where i just i could no longer uh, there was a point in the pandemic where i could no longer spend my evenings just playing pc games after sitting on my pc i just could not do it anymore um mm. and i just needed to step away from it and I, I feel that way firmly now. Like I, you know, I, I will work in an office again eventually, um, for sure. I, may, I might have that separation in my head, but for now, and I imagine this applies to a lot of people. I just don't have that separation, so I don't, I don't sit at my desk and think of it as a fun hobby space anymore. And I did before, like when I was on PC Gamer, I did, I did do that when I went home. But without that separation, it's been a lot harder. So the Steam Deck comes along. It's the idea of taking a lot of games that I don't want to sit at a desk and play that are very you know perfect for like lying on a couch or in bed or whatever and then just kind of getting more out of them rather than just having them sitting there collecting metaphorical dust in my steam library for years and years which some of them have been doing and also we have talked before in this this um, podcast matthew about how certain genres just lend themselves better to handhelds visual novels in particular narrative based games that um you know you can transfer to a smaller screen it doesn't impact the experience those games I was never, ever playing on Steam, but now I have a Steam Deck. They are, a lot of the things I'm downloading are in that space. Um, yeah. So it definitely, it gets you to reframe the way you look at your own Steam library, I think, and the opportunities for, for fun there, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, genre-wise, I think, like, e- even though kind of PC is is the sort of home of the, the, the rogue-like and the rogue light um i find the looping quick shot structure of those much more handheld friendly um Mm. like a lot of indian puzzle games um just sort of fit it because then they're not you know as demanding you know there's no real compromises playing on the steam deck um i think there still is a tier of genres which i wouldn't want to play on this thing Mm. um i think there are some I would say things which are still exclusively PC and PC for a reason, probably because of like the whole mouse and keyboard setup, like due to the size of the screen, like I've I've been watching Catherine play uh, Chaos Gate on there and she's been having a great time with that and, and, and really enjoying it. But I'd say from my, from my eyes, that's, that's, that's verging on being a little bit too small, you know? And like, I think of like Baldur's Gate 3, you know, something like that, I think, would be a bit of a nightmare playing on on this just due to the like the real estate of the screen. So, I think that there's also a tier of game that I don't think fits it because you are compromising the graphical experience too much in order to get it on there. Like, okay. you can, but should you? Element to it, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I would say that Red Dead Redemption Two is an example of that. You know, I've still not played that properly, but it's sort of like even with the graphics card I've got now, it's a demanding game. And so putting it on to a handheld feels like a compromise too far for a game that's all about spectacle, you know? Um, yeah, that's so, fair. Because I, yeah. I think actually like the, the, the narrative around this has been, it's sort of 
they were maybe a, a little modest in in Valve were a little modest in how they talked about it, and maybe you can actually get some surprisingly good stuff on it. You know, yeah. I think I think they've been careful not to over egg it and say like it'll play everything at 4K. Obviously, it won't. It doesn't need to. But like like some of the stuff I've seen running on there very well, you think, oh, actually, that's you know, I, I would have thought that would have been beyond it given like the price point or whatever. Yeah, that is the amazing thing about it is that the most expensive model of this, I think, is five six nine. Um, mm. That is the model I bought with the highest amount of fi- high speed um, storage you could get, and I've, it was well worth the price. I would say because a lot of big Steam games are like c- get close to a hundred gigabytes, so mm. um, having that flexibility is really good. Yeah, but I, I think you are right. I, they did like go out with Control and Jedi Fallen Order, but they weren't like pretending they were selling you a ps5 in the palm of your hand essentially they were no yeah yeah it was maybe tentative and then it kind of like let you let them surprise you a little bit yeah Um, and it can run those kinds of games it's just that like um that element of the console definitely the handheld definitely exists but it's it's how much you're willing to compromise to get an experience you're happy with that also runs runs appropriately on there and that is maybe a less sexy sell than, you know, going out there and saying, this thing can run everything as long as it has control yeah. support. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think maybe it speaks to us because, like, the 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 period of games it, it really handles no problem is the period we largely cover on this podcast. Yeah. Like, if you are playing games from 2006 to probably 2014... You are going to get, you know, better, you know, better than console experience for sure. You know, you can play that. You can play the 360 PS3 generation, like, you know, 60 frames at at the resolution of the machine, and that's quite something. You know, that that there isn't something that else that does that. You know, that's that is quite a unique selling point. It just may not be as sexy to say to people, hey, everyone, it can play Castlevania Lords of Shadows really well <laughs> on a handheld. But it can, and there's no other handheld that can do that, you know. And given that we have had handhelds in the past, like the Vita, that sold themselves on the console experience, to actually have something which does replicate a certain period perfectly is pretty cool. Yeah, and we'll still play games from today if you want it to, but with right, compromises. Yeah. That's like that is a heck of a pitch. So that's the thing, right? It's an eight hundred p screen essentially. Um, mm. So it's like smaller than you know your standard HD TV would be, but that that's that's good in terms of performance, of course, because it's only it's a handheld. It doesn't need to be any higher resolution than that. The screen looks really nice as well. And so yeah, I completely agree with you about that sweet spot. I, I quickly discovered the same thing, the same kind of like. Uh, the period of games that was perfect for it so Matthew I'm curious how you found it to use because you you've suggested there that it's a bit fiddly like PC gaming can be more generally um, but I must say that in terms of using the handheld interface Valve has built for it I think it's really good at surfacing stuff that's already in your library not aggressively selling you things and having an interface that's genuinely quite nice to browse. But um, mm. I guess I, I want to know what your thoughts are. Like, how how fickle have you found the machine? How fickle have you found using it more generally? 
No, I, th- I think you're right. You know, like they they obviously did a lot of work with their big picture mode to make sort of to give Steam a kind of console like interface on a TV, and that's put them in quite good stead here. Like they're just replicating a lot of the thinking there. No problem with the front end at all. And I think you're right. Like the way that it kind of repackages your own library for you by saying like these work great on Steam, you know, or these are good. Um, that that that's all really cool. I like that that it kind of sort of takes what you have and puts the its best foot forward using that that that's a that's a really nice experience and it's an experience that leans heavily into the knowledge that a lot of people are coming into this with an existing library so how it treats that very sophisticated i really like it um i think where it begins where the kind of pc-ness of it begins to sort of creep through is is just in their category categorization system for games that are like optimized and tested on the steam deck ones which are maybe have some problems and ones which haven't been tested and it it just feels like the language they use makes it sound like oh it won't work when actually a game they haven't tested probably will work you may have to like you know mess around with some like you know the resolution or the graphic settings to like optimize it and but like i say i I think that actually is part of the pc experience anyway so you're probably used to that if you if you've got a substantial steam library you've been doing this for years um but i will say like go you know going through my library and it's saying like oh this isn't this you know this isn't good for steam deck and it's that's that's kind of off-putting you know i like i feel you know that will change in time you know that it is an ongoing process where they are sort of certifying things as being like this is absolutely rock solid no problems but uh, like you know that that wouldn't be acceptable on like any home console <laughs> this yeah. idea of like oh this thing you know uh it's kind of like it, 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 it's sort of like it's the console saying i don't know that i don't like I'm like, well, what am I meant to? What the fuck am I meant to make of that? It's like I have no idea if this is going to work, and you're like, eh, not great. <laughs> well, that is the thing. Like, I say it's a kind of work in progress, yeah. but an exciting one. I think that is that's where this speaks to the most because they are, as I understand it, adding games to the playable list all the time. So for listeners who don't right. have one, you know, I know these are hard to get hold of still. Um, it basically has a kind of traffic light system. I don't know if it has a red, actually, but it has a, a grey or a white that indicates not tested, essentially. And then it has yellow, which means it will work with caveats. Like it might have something that requires typing in in-game text that you have to use the keyboard for. There's a you can, there's a keyboard function you can activate mm. in games. Or a bit of mouse control, something like that. And then it'll have green, which is verified for Steam Deck. So that's, mm. you, know, you know, Bob's your uncle, crack on sort of thing. But... Even then, I saw Age of Empires 2 was, like, green on there. And I was like, I mean, I love Age of Empires 2, but that is... I just don't think it's quite the place for it. So, yeah, and plus the little men are tiny in Age of Empires. So, that, that, <laughs> yeah, so there's, a, there's a couple of odd odd bits to it, you know? Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Because it... And, like, that's... I don't know, it's not egregious is too strong a word, but that stands out because... It is surprisingly console-like in how it behaves, like you say, because it has this really nice interface. That the, mm. the odd moments where actually, you know, it is more honest about being a PC thing. And, and at the end of the day, you would rather it was honest than dishonest. Um, it's enough to go, 
oh yeah i remember like this is this you know like it booting up a game and um i a couple of things i played today had like uh like pre-launch menus come up which on pc or like you know a little thing comes up you start setting some settings some of these wigged out because it was like oh i don't really know how to do with it deal with this because it's not really a desktop it doesn't really know what to do with them and uh, you know there were some things i had to google you know oh does this work on steam deck and if so how do i get through this this stage of it and i think little things like that but again like that's just true of playing things on pc you know like like saying about the steam deck for example if you download max Payne and it doesn't work on steam deck well if you download max Payne on pc it doesn't work you know you have to do something on your pc you have to do something on steam deck and i i think as long as you're open to that and you appreciate that that is going to happen i don't think it's as big a deal as i i thought it might be going in yeah i would agree with that i think yeah it's 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 accepting the the limitations of buying games on steam more generally where things won't be supported won't be patched so max Payne is a good example where the only way I know how to get that running is to run it in Windows uh, compatibility mode with an older, you know, basically pretending your PC is an older version of Windows to get it to boot um, and then playing it in, I think, like uh, sort of like windowed full screen and not full screen or otherwise it'll, the screen will go black. And I know that because I spent, I went out of my way to play Max Payne about six years ago. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. But most people won't know that. So it's true that if you, you know, logged in and thought oh I'll play Max Payne then it won't work and that's kind of a bummer so yeah that's good that is um that is completely fair and I think yeah you kind of need to keep in mind that this is uh, you know PC adjacent at at the least really it's kind of like it is a it is a PC that's pretending not to be a PC essentially that's kind of where it's at I think yeah and I think it pulls that trick off like 95% of the time yeah yeah for sure very very impressive the other thing is, it doesn't try and sell you stuff very aggressively. I assume that this exists, Matthew, because Valve probably sees that there's a hard limit on how much you can sell high-end PC gaming to people. Just in terms of like the out outlay, the cost is massive um, right. for most for most people. That's just spending over a grand on some video games hardware is not you know not something that they can they can do, and so you know Steam is a platform. Valve are the platform holders in a lot of ways. Their, their thinking, I assume, is we want to grow PC gaming beyond what it is now. So we want to give people another avenue into into it. And I think it is, it's possible it will have that effect. But yes, those people coming into it will need to know that, you know, a lot of what you buy won't necessarily run out of the box. And that verified list is going to do some heavy lifting for people who, um, who pick up these games in, um, you know, after they pick up the hardware. So that is interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I actually haven't explored the store um, heavily, like on the device itself. I, it, does it like it, it, is there a Steam like almost a Steam Deck curated version of the store where yes. it's saying this stuff is this is the stuff you should buy because that's great, you know, in terms of like you can basically re-energize the sales of everything from like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like I think it's like a great on deck tab in the store. Um, and the store you can navigate you know using the same interface that the you know that valve has built you're not it's not like it awkwardly turns into the desktop 
steam interface which looks quite old hat these days yeah um it's uh, yeah very much stays its, its own kind of like um it's its own form so yeah that that does exist and it kind of it'll give you like a basically endless list of stuff that will work on there so yeah it's um that curation does exist like you say which is exciting um mm. yeah so I, I yeah i like how much it is not trying to sell you things it will also if you search for games in your library it will also find games in the store that you might want that you don't own and then it will show you at a glance what's in your library already and what you don't own which is useful if you're like me and you've bought games across so many different formats you can't remember where you own bioshock 2 and where you don't own bioshock 2 um, right and so it makes it really easy to understand the limits of your library and the potential which i really like um hmm. so something i said right all right after i got one matthew i wonder if you agree with this is that i think that the Steam Deck, if you want it to, can be like 90% tinkering to 10% playing games. Whereas I think that the Switch is like the other way around. It's like, get you into the games. All your tinkering will be done just trying to understand how the store works. <laughs> um, right, right. Or, or like maybe you're doing a bit of cut, you know, storage management. But I was wondering if you agree with that. If it's like, the, it's, like a, it's like a tinkerer's handheld at its heart. Yeah, I think so. But it's... Maybe that, but isn't that just like now? Like, isn't that your initial relationship with it? Won't that change over time? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would say I've been surprised from the, the very limited, I should say, uh, selection of things I've tried today. Like most of them played acceptably out of the box. Like I didn't, I didn't go in and, and and mess around with things. Is that the kind of tinkering you're talking about? Like sort of just trying to kind of optimize things and get things to work. A little bit of that, but also a little, uh, quite a lot of going into the desktop mode on there and seeing what other stuff you can boot through its Linux um, OS, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I must say that side of it doesn't interest me, like, at all. Right, right. Like, like the, th- the, the what I like about Steam on my home PC is that it is, it kind of, like, saves me from having to engage with my PC at all. Like, I, I am not a PC, PC guy in terms of, like I have no interest in in that kind of stuff. You know, I I like things to be user friendly at the box. You know, I'm not a install my own freaking operating system on my phone or whatever kind of. You know, I I I am a, I'm I'm a bit of a sheep. I'm like your dream <laughs> customer. You know, um, because I was raised on experiences that were easy and didn't ask anything of me, and um, so that side of it, like, yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. I mean, is there a lot it can do outside of what it does on the surface? Yeah, so the first thing I wanted to do was understand how I can plug my Epic Game Store library into the oh, console. Right, yeah. So I went and looked it up, and yes, there is a way you can do this. Um, you can add your games to the library. It's like, it's a good app that they, it's like they call the Heroic Game Launcher. I downloaded it. About half the games I tried on there worked. Uh, Hitman 3 worked, Observation worked, um, something else worked, I can't remember what it was, but then I was finding a, a, quite a few games struggle with it as well, obviously they weren't made to be to work on Steam Deck, they're made for a different store, so they're different builds, or I don't really know how that differentiates, but I tried Jet the Far Shore for example, I tried Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, which is actually not on Steam, I didn't realise, that. put that on Steam so I can play it on Steam Deck, that'd be rad, that just didn't work at all on Steam Deck for me. Right. Um, and much to my shame, Matthew, I use I play Kingdom Hearts one and two as well, and that just would not boot, um, <laughs> which I'm, I'm sure is a decision you would agree with. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, so Hitman would work fine. Um, 
and then yeah observation worked fine so it just seemed to be very unpredictable um but like installing that did require a bit of a faff and i must admit the arc i went through with it was it's cool that you can do this in a way that you would never could with a console of course but also it made me just relish having this straightforward steam experience for like a week afterwards which is what i've done and now i'm thinking about tinkering more and understanding what else i can do with it but it was really nice to get it out of the box sign into steam and just have all my games there um and right. it is really good at offering that but the tinkering is there if you want it essentially you know? right yeah. yeah can you um do anything with xbox game pass stuff on there uh, I don't think there's an easy way of doing that. Um, uh, I think it's because I think it's because they are. I I know nothing about any of this. So anyone who actually makes games <laughs> listening to this, which is a few people, I believe that the Xbox PC Game Pass version that you make is is specifically native to Windows. Um, oh right. Like it's it's actually a different it's a different build of the game to Steam itself. So. It's not designed to run to the same parameters. It's like it runs by like Microsoft's parameters instead. I think that's how it works. But right. um, apologies to any uh, actual people who know what they're talking about out there, as ever. So yeah, that would be good, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be nice if it was on there. It's 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 kind of interesting this sort of blurring of the lines because you read quite a lot about uh, actually how flexible Xbox Series X and Series S are. It with regards to you can actually put stuff on those. That they're not meant to have. It's got quite an quite an open developer mode, and a lot of people talk about them as being sort of like prime emulation machines. Um, you know whether or not you know you're you're into that is you know and, and the various legality or not is is, is up to you to decide. Um, Thumbs up from our lawyer there, Matthew, on the sidelines. <laughs> Just- <laughs> you're safe lads i mean like you know by all means do it if you tell us about it on discord we will knock you out to microsoft or sony (laughs) uh, or nintendo Uh, (laughs) that is our duty and my pleasure (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, uh, so the idea of you know hardware which is a little bit more open and a little bit more accessible or that kind of tinkering edge you know is beginning to even get into like the bones of the home consoles which is kind of interesting yeah like this uh, you know i'm not endorsing emulation here but there is a a massive like um part of the discussion around this console is what it can do in terms of you know people playing metro prime one and two at 60 fps with like texture mods out installed and stuff right. like that and it's that is a whole side of the console that is seems to be quite easy to unlock it's not something i've done but it's, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I've not, I've not sort of read much about how this thing stacks up compared to uh, uh, what, what is even the term for them? The, the kind of retro handhelds. Yeah, retro handhelds. I guess. I think it is the king of them, just through the oh, sheer right, okay. sort of power, the power of it, and the fact that the emulators, a lot of them seem to either have been tweaked to work out of the box for Steam Deck or already worked on Linux so they're they're fine to run um right and so yeah this stuff is there's um I was reading a piece of game article about it there's something called MU Deck that basically puts all of the framework for it onto your all of the legal bits it basically puts onto your Steam Deck and then the illegal bits are up to you essentially so <laughs> Um, it, they, it's, it's very, very streamlined as long as you're prepared to go and mess around yeah. in the... It's um... a lot of like, can you find a BIOS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that old one, you know. Uh, yeah, someone who's uh, sailed the seas of piracy before, I see. No, um, I've, I've, just, I've heard about this from others. 
Yeah, Matthew's secretly got a cupboard at home that's like ten thousand memory sticks, all with a different PS2 BIOS on it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's so that does exist there. Um, but I have admittedly relished just using it to explore games that I'd forgot I owned. Um, there's a few of those in the second section we're going to do here. We're actually going to talk about the games we've been playing on there and just some anecdotal experience of using them. It's definitely like made me take a completely different look at my library in terms of what I'm picking up and playing, which is cool. But yeah, that tinkering side exists as well. So I can see that growing over time as people experiment more and more with what can it, what it, what it can do because it is very, very powerful. Mm. So... Matthew, let's do it. Steam Deck versus Switch. So, <laughs> what do you think the advantages of one are over the other? Because I don't think this replaces the Switch by any means. But it is. it does maybe replace some of the ways in which I was using it. What do you think? Yeah, so I'd say the, the main thing for me is the fact that it's tied to the, the Steam ecosystem and that being, like, generation-free is is a huge thing you know the idea that you know this has got a like a you know a lifetime of pc games versus the sort of the, you know the switch library which is just the switch the kind of can it's really i i'd say rather than getting into that the actual like hardware you know the physicality of the two devices so much of it just comes down to like library behavior um you know the scale of the two libraries obviously steams absolutely vast and will have just you know like i say it's you know it goes way before switch and will long outlast switch but also things like you know the pricing of those libraries like i actually don't own many games on switch that aren't first party games like it's still largely a first party thing just because i know you can buy these games on on um pc for cheaper um you know the the massive sales or just the fact that some of these games have been on pc a lot longer and so have kind of like the prices dropped over time um you know it's you know it's much cheaper i'm sure you could find individual examples where games are maybe cheaper on the switch in places um because of like mad sales or whatever but um generally speaking steam's always going to be cheaper um and uh, you know, in in the past, you know, what would have maybe swayed me is 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 like I was saying earlier, when you're playing something and you think, do I really want to, you know, uh, yes, it's cheap on PC, but do I really want to play it on PC? Is that the natural environment for like Ace Attorney, you know, for example? And now that like isn't a question, you know. So you know whether or you know for a lot of people that wouldn't have been a question to begin with. They're like cheap is cheap or whatever. Um, but yeah, now that's you know the the final kind of hurdle of PC gaming is kind of crossed. Yeah, for sure. I think that my big take on the Steam Deck is that I think it makes more sense if you've owned a Switch and therefore see that the the sw- that handheld play whether you're doing it out of the home or at home in a different part of your house if that makes sense in your life i think that's like prerequisite one for getting a steam deck yeah, like i think true. Yeah. i think the switch kind of will tell if you, your behavior with a switch will tell you your behavior with a steam deck i would say and whether it fits um the other thing is i think that if you have a big pre-existing steam library it makes total sense but I'm not sure I would buy this to start my PC library because while I think it is an amazing device and it, you can, there is an official dock that will let you play it with a monitor, 
I think that as an overall PC experience, it will still be a more compromised version of what PC gaming can do. And it makes more sense if it's complementing a PC you already have in your life, I think. Um, mm. So people might disagree with that. And that's not me gatekeeping and saying, don't buy this. If you don't have a Steam collection, this is your first foray into PC gaming. I'm not saying that by any means. But I think, I guess what I'm saying is, I think I'm the perfect person for it, Matthew. Because right. I have the appetite for the for this stuff. I have a, I have a Switch that fits into my lifestyle very nicely. And I have a massive Steam library because I was the editor-in-chief of PC Gamer. So, you know, it's those things kind of coalesce really nicely. But there are more caveats to buying, I think, if you don't have a background with a Switch or a big pre-existing Steam library. Mm. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, that's probably fair. Or, you know, maybe outside of the Switch, like, you know, if you got into playing a lot of, like, indie games on, like, the Vita, that might also be a similar case. Mm. Yeah, like, a Vita, a, yeah. like a, a Vita owner, uh, you, you could see them comfortably transitioning into this, and yeah. and and in in the same way that a Switch person could. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's fair. I think like the, the 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 point I was trying to make about the the sort of the the longer history of Steam as well is that you know Switch has you know there are some valiant ports on there of of some modern things, but there's there's you know there's hundreds thousands of uh amazing games that will never be on switch um that would probably sing on switch because of the technical the, the sort of technological level like you know i i would love to play uh tomb raider reboot on the switch would be fine i think you could you, could, you know you could probably manage that um but it won't happen and but on on this on on the steam deck it obviously will you know it has this um it just covers so much so much more time and that 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 really speaks to me but you know i also make a weekly podcast about that period so maybe (laughs) i care more about it than others (laughs) yeah yeah that's it whereas you know if you're you're buying this to play new pc games fundamentally yeah um, for indie games it's a dream machine and if you know it's if you want like a port of something from about like you say about from about 10 years ago or more um, even like less time than that it's it is like I'm. I will always play that on the Steam Deck now instead of the Switch, um, because the pack, the extra power just makes it worth it. Mm. Uh, and for like indie games generally, like it just makes it worth it having the extra power when those games are a little bit more intensive. Mm. But the pricing is such an important point as well, Matthew, because I have a good example of this. Right, so I've been eyeing Shadowrun Trilogy on the Switch, um, and because uh, it's the three RPGs, one package, thirty six quid. Great, right? But 36 quid is still quite a lot of money. These are all mm-hmm. games. I already had one in my Steam library. Um, and I went and bought the other two for £2 each, I think, on Green, <laughs> Green right. Man Gaming in their sale. And they're like, I think they're yellow. They're each yellow, uh, marked yellow on the Steam Deck verification sort of like panel. So they will work. And I was, you know, I will. there's a lot of browsing of Reddit to see how things run on Steam Deck as well. So I was doing a bit of that. But that alone just feels like, you know, over the course of a year i might actually break you know i might have paid the equivalent of what i of the this having a switch and the versions on switch just by the price reduction of buying the pc version so yeah there's a bit of that to it you know yeah and we should add that the switch as well is just because it's on switch doesn't mean it runs well on switch like I, i still have to like the same checks ironically that i that i'm running on steam deck of does this thing actually work because they haven't said 
you have to do that with some things on Switch. Like, there are some nasty surprises. I, I haven't tried it on Steam Deck, admittedly, but I bought that uh, 3D platformer, a hat, a hat in Time, is mm. it? At, on Switch, and it runs like an absolute pig. Like, I'd go as far as saying, like, it's broken on Switch. Shockingly bad. But so, like, it, you know, it's it's not, you know, when I said earlier that, you know, st- st- you know, there is this extra level of faff, it's, it's not like that doesn't also happen <laughs> in the allegedly quality tested switch space yeah also shout out to pj o'reilly who whenever i look for the switch version of a game pj riley has o'reilly has reviewed it for nintendo life (laughs) 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 and will tell me if it's got frame rate problems or not and that is a valuable service yeah Um, yeah so yeah, yeah. That stuff's that stuff's vital. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's true. Like I think it's like Cloudpunk. I saw was a bit you know really beautiful looking voxel art game on PC, but quite compromised to get onto Switch seemingly. And oh, you know cloud that puke. <laughs> Very good. Um, and that's uh, <laughs> it's a it's a hot hot Sunday. Oh, it's so we're hot. doing our best. This we're podcast best. is going to get so much better in the winter. Yeah, that's it. If you think like this is good now, just fucking wait until October. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's gonna be wait, wait until wait until off. it's cold outside, and all of a sudden, large men are in their element. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's you know. Do you, do you think we have all this body fat for nothing? Do you know what I mean? It's uh, <laughs> it's just to get through the the bath winter. Right. Okay. So I had one more thing to add on this the Switch comparison. Ooh. No, I don't think it will replace the Switch in my life because the Switch has a fundamental nintendo-ness to it that is just lovely um using the switch afterwards was kind of a relief i actually got really used to the steam deck size it is a very a wide bastard <laughs> on a train big. on a train it, it's basically the entire sort of like length of one person's shoulder to another and i felt like i was t- I felt, it was like man spreading in console form do you know what i mean <laughs> i felt very obnoxious getting that out on a on a going on a train from devon to somerset i must say um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it won't replace the Switch by any means because yes, the exclusive games are there. The main reason I play it for sure, um, it will just yeah. When it comes to those ports and indie games, the Steam Deck is now suddenly like um, something I'm thinking about a lot more than um, buying those games on Switch. So um, that is an interesting dynamic change. Quite, quite an annoying trend I've spotted over the weekend. Actually, looking at some um, Xenoblade Three threads on various forums, people talk about Switch emulation on both PC and in these cases specifically on Steam Deck as if it is just like like a valid alternative and listen if you do it it's fine but there is something quite obnoxious about people who strike the tone of like you know the pros and cons of this and it's like well it's it's not like it's not really intended <laughs> you know for Steam Deck you know Steam Deck isn't really the home of Nintendo games <laughs> yeah and i find i find that that talk you know like by all means, do it, but just have a bit of shame about your skeevy arts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like well, just, just the other thing is, in people's face. It's like, is the game if the game is commercially available, and this is, then I don't, uh, you know, if you buy it and then you emulate it, like that's maybe like more you're more in a gray area but if all you're doing is stealing it and playing on steam deck that's just, that's just well fucking it's, bad, it's more you know? like to see people getting excited about it on switch and then there's just some prick he's like oh well yeah well if you think that's good wait until you see it on pc and you're like 
you know, that's, that's, that's not even the fucking conversation. You know, yeah. like people haven't opted into that, so <laughs> yeah. don't like rub it in their fucking face. Yeah, like, I, I'm not like you know, you know. Obviously, you know, I, I buy all these things, and I'm, I'm probably a sucker for giving these people all this money, but that, that rubs me up the wrong way a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So fair enough, Matthew. I think you're, I think you're along right lines there. Um, I only had like one last thing to discuss. Was do you think it's worth getting one now or waiting for a better model? I mean, it does feel like they will make a better model. Um, it could take a while, though. Like they haven't replaced yeah. that VR headset yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. But it's it's definitely like a success, or it feels yeah. like a success. So it feels like it will be sort of an ongoing thing. I know they've been quite careful not to really talk about that stuff. I guess because they want everyone being happy with with what they've got now. Um, yeah, it's quite. It's quite plasticky, <laughs> I find. Um, like, I could imagine there being, like, an even more luxury version of this down the line. Um, and like I say, those vents. But that, I guess that's just inherent, like, what can you do? That is what it is. I mean, it's a miracle yeah. that they've got it working. I and mean, if, you've, if you've looked at gaming laptops, they are just generally vile, um, as design goes. Like, the weight of them, the smell of the heat coming out of them. Like, it's really grim like i worked on a gaming laptop for a long time and um it's just a horrible thing um i would definitely <laughs> take this over that but i you know as a sort of physical user user experience it's fine but I, there must be a better version of this somewhere down the line yeah and i will say if you do if you work from home and you do want um to heat up the smoked salmon in your smoked salmon bagel just pop that bad boy behind your gaming laptop and uh five minutes time that thing's cooked <laughs> i'll tell oh, you that one function which i think is absolutely ass is that <laughs> and, and well i hope you're not going to correct me on this and say that there is a way of doing this it stops downloading in sleep mode Oh right, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I think you might be right there. You have to have the screen on for it to download. That sucks. Like just leaving it whirring away because that basically means it has to be plugged in, being incredibly hot somewhere in your house to yeah. download stuff. That sucks. That like what console in this day and age can't download with the screen off? Come on. Their the logic might be something like, if maybe if you do leave it, if you leave it plugged in, can it not just? Can you not just turn off the screen shutdown function if you did want to? Oh, because what you're saying is you don't want that heat coming out. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I, just don't really, I, I don't. I don't want to look over at a console on the floor with the screen on. Like my my entire history with handhelds has told me not just to leave it running open. Right. And it feels wrong to me to to see it like that. And I've seen people go like, well, you, what you do is you download a small game, and then while you're playing that small game, you're downloading a big game in the background. But it basically has to be active to download. And that just—I don't know. Doesn't that just doesn't that feel wrong? Uh, like, I sort of get what you mean. I, I, yeah, I guess I haven't thought about this that much, but it has been always been a long queue when I've turned on my my Steam Deck. It's finally clear now. But um, yeah, there's maybe a bit of that at the start. Uh, that's that that that's that seems like weirdly clumsy to me but it might be like a a thing to do with the fact that because it's got such lean battery life they may be worried about if you're in the middle of a game and you wanted to leave it on sleep mode and come back it would still work as opposed to it draining the battery while the screen was off essentially and then you come back and wonder why it's powered down like 
Maybe that's mm. the logic. I, but I haven't explored the menus to see how much you can change that. Maybe there is a way to change yeah, that. Yeah, I can't. I swear, I, I can't find an option for it. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm wrong on this. Nah, but, yeah, um... I trust you. I trust you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you seem like a good guy. Um, yeah. So I think. So I'm very aware that on this podcast, Matthew, a lot of people go and buy stuff because we say it's good. Um, oh, right, yeah. And I feel quite guilty about that because I do want people to like feel in control of their finances <laughs> and not like mm. we're we're agents of chaos designed to like create arguments in your household because that's not what we're going for. Um, uh, I just I, I use all those tweets to try and get PRs to send us free stuff. <laughs> I'm well, like, look how influential it is. Please send us. Well, I'm twenty that- cans of Rio. <laughs> Well, the Rio aside, I am finding that more people are sending us stuff now. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's, is, or, or at least it's easier to get, you know. But uh, yeah. I, th- I, I should add, I don't actually do that. I'm not like super obnoxious. No, I've asked for three games, and I think I always say when I've asked for a game on this, just for I don't know why. I don't. I'm not obliged to. I'm not a member of the press, so I could basically be as corrupt as I want, really. But um, I choose not to be. Um, <laughs> isn't that That's good of good. me? Um, That's damn decent of you. Yeah, cheers, buddy. But what I was going to say was that I. Um, what I'm saying is I don't recommend everyone goes out and buys this. I like I say, I think that for me specifically as a Switch owner with a big pre-existing Steam library, it is perfect, and I do absolutely love it. But I think it is, there are definitely certain types of people it will appeal to more than others. And I think being a pre-existing PC owner is probably useful here, at least until a dock comes along and we can see what performance is like on that. Because I imagine there'll be a lot of, you know, people who want to play some of the more interesting PC-specific stuff on the console, sorry, on the on their uh, handheld, let's say uh, Stellaris or City Skylines or you know, humankind, Civ, all this stuff that, well, you can't play Civ, but all this stuff that's more, you know, built for a mouse and a keyboard at its heart. Um, without knowing exactly how, what that experience is like, I still feel like you kind of need a proper PC to get that core PC gaming experience. But this is like the best possible alternative to that in handheld form. That's how I feel about it, Matthew. Um, mm. Yeah. Nothing that's fair. Yeah. Okay, good. So shall we take a quick break, Matthew, and talk a bit about the games we've been playing on there and how those are fed? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. So in this section on our Steam Deck special, we're going to talk about the games we've actually been playing on this handheld and the experience of doing so. Me and Matthew are not Digital Foundry. We've made that clear on very, you know, frequently, you know, many occasions at this point. We don't know what we're doing. Take none of this as actual technical advice. Go and find people who know what they're actually doing. They exist everywhere. We are not authorities, but with that in mind, we can get into the games. Any any thoughts, Matthew, before we go into this? Uh, what, on whether or not we're Digital Foundry? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess no, anything related I'm, to that. Uh, uh, yeah, you're bang on the money. I'd say, like, the only thing we are truly an authority on are the fictional laws of our own fictional kingdoms. <laughs> and sandwiches uh, and bath. And sandwiches and bath. Outside of that, you're on th- you're on thin ice <laughs> taking any kind of advice from us. Yeah, it's just a bad idea, frankly. Um, <laughs> so I will ask you, Matthew, because I've written about I think eight or nine games here, and you've added four as you've been playing today. Um, when you when it came to download some games from your Steam Steam library, then like what went through your mind? What did you seek out? Was there a kind of like logic to to what you picked? I wanted to test uh, a, a genre that I own a lot of but i hate playing on pc uh i wanted to test something quite old uh with a mouse interface to see how that actually worked for me 
Um, I wanted to see something from that period we were talking about, that kind of last gen, not last gen, last last gen, gen before last, whatever, you know, the 360 PS3 generation, basically. Uh, and then something which uh, was a kind of indie fit. I mean, this is quite poor testing because I crammed this all in into, into a day, you know, I would much, you know, if I'd known actually how well I got on with it today, I would have probably done this over the last couple of weeks. Catherine's had this thing sitting in the house for ages and I've had nothing to do with it. But um, I would have liked to have tried some more kind of like um, dip in kind of games, you know, like your your Hades or your Dead Cells or something. Um, But so, yeah, I picked something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was a broad spread of stuff I grabbed, basically. I've I've been off for the week. I went home to my parents' house. It was exciting to take this with me and just, um, you know, just see what this thing can do. Take it for a proper test drive. That's been really fun to do. And did you show it to your dad? He occasionally plays PC games, right? Yeah, I did. And they didn't seem that bothered. Um, Yeah. (laughs) They're just not really games people. Do you know what? They took so little interest in any of my hobbies growing up that as an adult, I don't even bother trying to engage with them on it. Like, uh, I think I just said to my dad, oh, I've got this, I can play PC games on the go. And he was like, oh, that's that's nice. And I think that's kind of it, really. So, uh, Well, when, yeah. whenever uh, either of us writes something nice about the podcast on Facebook, uh, I always see members of your family, I assume it's your dad, <laughs> yeah. saying... Way nice one. <laughs> oh yeah, they're very they're very proud for sure. Like they're yeah, there's no there's good. no you know, they're supportive absolutely, but they just don't wish to engage with it themselves. Like I think the last time I tried to engage with them properly on games, Matthew was I tried to get them to play Heavy Rain, and in <laughs> fact, what happened was is we played Beatles Rock Band at Christmas one year, and it was such a disaster. My mum just didn't understand how the controller worked, and she was so upset and angry by like the experience of just trying to play. <laughs> She's leaving home on a plastic controller <laughs> <laughs> and like failing within about eight notes of the song that like <laughs> that basically ruled out video games as a concept for the rest of her life. <laughs> so I've, I've killed some of the Beatles for a second time. <laughs> she hasn't even left home yet. Do you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that there was just no point. It, it's like my little brother, he's. Uh, big on like boring my mum with the stuff that he's always got going on whether it's like I bought some Pokemon toy that cost too much money or some Lego my mum's like yeah 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 she kind of politely puts up with it but with me I feel like I lost this war so many years ago I no longer even try and engage with them on it so uh yeah yeah but you know they, they were they were happy I was having a good time Matthew so uh, uh yeah, I, I found out over the weekend uh while we're just having a brief family diversion that um <laughs> Uh, my little brother sold. He's recently bought a switch. He used to have a switch, but he sold his original switch. Um, but he he didn't like properly understand the whole factory reset and just sold it with like all his digital games account. In it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and so he doesn't have any. He doesn't have access to that anymore. So he's oh. just having to buy everything from scratch. Oh my god! How much? How many games did he have on it as well? well like a decent library, I think. So someone out there bought that switch, and it's just got like. A complete games library on it. Well, not oh. complete, but you know the the basis of one. <laughs> yeah, and I guess because that's completely gone, there's no way it'll be deactivated ever. Yeah. So as long as he creates a different profile, he can just enjoy those games permanently. Whoever. Yeah, does. I mean it's good for me because I'm I'm not a very imaginative present buyer, and it means I can just buy him like <laughs> you know Mario Kart, and that's acceptable. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's sort of like yeah, I'll just I'll get you a different Switch launch game each year and just <laughs> it should it should be fine. Um, that is funny. Is that uh, is that the brother who likes Kingdom Hearts, Matthew? No, this is my even younger brother. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know there is a brother who wants us to do a Kingdom Hearts episode, which uh, is a probably a no go to be honest. But um, I do always find that the thought uh, of that uh, amusing. Uh, I created a bit of a, yeah, very different. Um, who's the black sheep for liking? Am I the black sheep for not liking Kingdom Hearts? Or is he the black sheep for liking Kingdom Hearts? Uh, what's like? Know. What's Leslie's take on Kingdom Hearts? I imagine <laughs> no, I it's not she, really an angle. I on doubt that. she has a take. <laughs> game she's the only the game she showed interest in was uh episode one pod racer uh, <laughs> which we famously I, I told you about that right yeah yeah Where, it was a great yeah yeah, yeah. You, you're like oh we'll buy this for our mum it'll be a great gift that was the yeah. she humored us by saying oh that looks good and we thought she wanted it for mother's day uh, ah, that's amazing uh, <laughs> uh yeah uh what was it? oh yeah but i there is a bit of a a, a family rift opening over the uh the nintendo online switch subscription right um because obviously i said to my little brother well as you've got mario kart you should join my family switch subscription because i've got a space left on it one space and uh it means you can get all the tracks you can download it as part of the expansion pass but he's already on my other brother alex's subscription and alex doesn't have the expansion you see Ah. so it's kind of like traitor to the original subscription by leaving it to come to my all singing or dancing (laughs) subscription yeah that's good. Uh, it's a rejected Kirby enthusiasm plot lines. That's what this is, Matthew. <laughs> I would say it's more like succession. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 on that family account. So for a second, I thought, is my place suddenly in question? Like, no, am I going to no, be replaced with everyone who's on there? Basically, if you're on there, you're on there for life. That's oh, my rule. That's good. I'm very happy with that rule. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's working out well for me so far. With uh, yeah. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, it's another Wario pinball track they're adding to the Switch, the Mario Kart 8. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? I thought that, that looked decent in that trailer they did, but um, not so yeah, bothered about this. New, uh, one set on a big ice cream, but I'm uh, a big ice cream track, but I'm trying to give up sugar at the moment. So I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know if I really need that in my life. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Just manically driving around via virtual fucking chalk ice, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, there was like one other gag I was going to make about your N64 buying your mum the pod racer, actually. I could just imagine it's like the next year and you're going, do you think mum would like uh, Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine? She just suddenly has a cartridge of that coming her way. <laughs> there you go. Jokes oh, to amuse myself. Co- she likes the collective works of LucasArts. <laughs> Oh, there you go. That was a fun diversion. This section's going great so far, isn't it? I think right, we talk- yeah, anyway. Steam Deck. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's the sort of thing we're meant to say for the mailbags, isn't it? That's, oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, people out there thinking, oh, God, they're going to do 40 minutes on their breakfast next and giving us one star <laughs> on iTunes. That, um, was gaming. that was gaming adjacent. Yeah, it's fun. It adds background to the various fictional characters who have been discussed before. My mum, Leslie, you know, various <laughs> Castle Brothers. You know, it's, it's good. Yeah. Rich tapestry, I'd say. Um Okay, so yeah, I've got a few here. I'm going to start with the one I've played the most by far, Matthew, which is XCOM Enemy Within slash Unknown. Now, this came up on the podcast just two weeks ago in the Best Games of 2013. It sparked a bit of an interest of mine to go back and actually finish a campaign of Enemy Within, which I got very close to doing on Xbox 360, but never actually pulled off. And so I've been doing that this week. I have actually finished it. Um, 
So XCOM Enemy Unknown brought back the series um, very kind of like from its sort of 90s PC roots and turned it into a gamepad friendly um, turn-based tactics game where you drop into these little maps around the world, go and sort of shoot aliens and manage a larger uh, invasion uh, sort of conflict on the in the game's um, strategy level. So two layers of strategy that sort of like merge together to form one sort of epic experience, repeatable experience. Expansion comes along going to add some mechs mechs that can set fire to aliens mechs that can have like a robot punch you can use to smack an enemy across the map all kinds of fun stuff new mission types these kind of like rogue uh, human faction who sympathize with the aliens secret narrative missions loads of different weapons like it just a really complete fitting expansion so was great fun to get my teeth into that um you you mentioned chaos gate i mean you know full disclosure my name is in the credits of that game so you know can't be objective here but i think that Turn-based tactics games are actually spot on for this because they are snackable, Matthew. They are like you play, you can play a mission in about 15, 20, 30 minutes Ooh. and then you can kind of move on with your day. So I found it kind of perfect. Do you think that's why Catherine's engaged with it so much on that level? Yeah, I th- yeah, and definitely in terms of like, yeah, dipping into it and yeah, playing a little bit here and there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it runs absolutely fine. Like, no problems on that front. Uh, I, I, all I was questioning was sort of the density of interface and things like that. But, um, you know, I guess if, if you know what you're doing and you're used to these things, um, it's not a problem. But, um, yeah, like, I, I haven't played it myself, so it was, like, an entirely over-the-shoulder observation. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, on XCOM, the... Um... The inter- the text is like smallish, but definitely sort of visible because it's such a like a they put the widest possible screen they can on a handheld device. So it's sort of like I found so far that very few games have had games where have had text where it's like unreadably small. Um, right. So and the performance is excellent because this is of course mm. a game from 2012. Like you're saying, Matthew, games up to 2014 seems to be the sweet spot. This thing seems to be as powerful as maybe a PS4, slightly more powerful than that. Maybe yeah, definitely more powerful than that, but not you know, not anywhere near next gen console sort of power levels. So um what is useful as well, Matthew, is obviously XCOM Enemy Within is unlikely to be many people's game that they play these days from this series because there is XCOM two considered the superior game. And handily, mm. um someone called Andy Humphreys has emailed in to the podcast to talk about his Steam Deck thoughts around XCOM two. So I was just gonna oh. read that out, Matthew, if that's okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. Hello, Giants both. With reference to the Destiny 2 episode's preamble, Matthew, listen to that. You fucking love that episode. I've been playing XCOM 2 on my Steam Deck. Like Samuel, it's one of the games I was most eager to try out on the handheld. And as this came up in the last pod, I thought I'd share my experience. Brackets, I accept, by the way, that this is really just an FYI for Samuel and a bit boring for a mailbag. I just had thoughts to share with the Discord and already moved on. <laughs> I like that this is the podcast that critiques itself as it goes along, and we have readers who critique their own letters into us as it goes along. Yeah, we've set a precedent there, haven't we? Um, and <laughs> anyway, I can report it mostly works all right. Mostly. Performance is smooth, even on the higher graphics settings, but battery life suffers dreadfully the more you throw at the deck's impressive but limited power envelope. I don't know if that's an official term or not, but um, it sounds like the sort of thing I'd say. It sounds legit. Why why didn't we use a phrase as cool as that? Power envelope just sounds like uh, um, something you pick up in Smash Bros to like batter Kirby with, but yeah. Or one Um, of those envelopes with like loads of bubble wrap on the inside, you know, like a real Uber envelope. (laughs) Like like an elite envelope. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, like £1.50 from Smith's kind of envelope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, luckily, the game still looks snazzy enough on the on the 7-inch screen, even on low settings. If you're anything like me, you'll quickly become confused with the deck's own performance layer. Faffing blindly, 
willing the projected battery life to increase just a few more minutes. There is a bit of that with the Steam Deck, isn't there? Finding every game's performance balance sweet spot is truly the Steam Deck's pre-installed mini-game. That's a great observation. That's me saying that's not in the letter. <laughs> um, then there are the usual Steam Deck caveats. Every update to the OS brings the possibility of new bugginess. After zero issues for the first few hours of my campaign, a Proton update seemed to cause load screen hangs that still arise from time to time. A subsequent one then knocked out my painstakingly configured control scheme. Annoying. While expecting to get much more than a couple of hours play from XCOM 2 on any settings is simply not realistic in my experience. As someone who rarely has the time for a gaming session lasting longer than half an hour, the novelty of experiencing such a complex and full-featured title on a handheld is more than worth any compromise. With a little work, the controls feel great, and the quick resume function is worth the cost of the console, in my opinion. It works perfectly every time in XCOM, making a AAA experience truly stackable. For folks like me, a dad of two young kids whose free time comes in 15-20 to minute intervals, this is nothing less than a game changer. It still feels like magic every time I use it. I've read a lot of editorials since the Steam Deck's announcement opining that it's hard to glean the console's target audience. I think some of those gaming professionals might have forgotten what it's like to not have a current gaming PC at the time to use it. I honestly don't know who the console's aimed at, but I can tell you it's definitely made for me. I no longer have the money for a proper gaming PC, wouldn't have the time to devote to it if I did, but I do have enough of a Steam library to justify taking on a, a punt on the crazy old games wonder machine. Three months in, I'm still glad I did. Anyway, keep up the giant, the great, etc. Not the giant, etc. And may you ever be the best person in every anecdote. Oh, that's a classic reference, Matthew. <laughs> um, so that's Andy, the obfuscator on 85 on Discord. I'm sure Discord people can go find them if they want to share their thoughts. But I thought that was a great little rundown of how yeah, uh, that game works, Matthew. Absolutely packed with great observations. But yeah, more um, than I yeah, had. I didn't, on, get, yeah. I didn't get into any of the power management stuff, so... Um, I can't really speak to that, but I've heard that is, yeah, you can squeeze more juice out of it. Yeah, I don't really understand that, to be honest. Um, but I will say for XCOM, I was def- I was getting close to three hours on this older XCOM, um, which is kind of spot on. But it did seem like sometimes it got a bit more intense and the fan would get a bit hotter and then suddenly it would go from like 10% battery to 3% in about five minutes. And I thought, oh, what happened there? Did I just sit on it and make it hotter or something? But um, yeah, it does happen. <laughs> Matthew, why don't you give me one of yours next? Uh, so I played a bit of uh, Vampire Survivors, uh, which I've been meaning to play for a long time after Joe Scrubs talked it up on our last Indie Hall of Fame. Sort of survival shooter, I guess, where you're you're sort of stuck in a field and lots of things run at you. You only control the movement of your character. It also fires. And then you're sort of levelling up by collecting gems. It's all about like mad power curves and kind of... Um, moving through a kind of upgrade tree super fast for like little 10 minute bursts this is something i tried because you know i knew you know it's a game that can be over in 10 minutes i think the level's got a maximum time limit of 30 minutes on it or something so you know a nice you know like you say snackable experience um i was also interested in this one because it famously gets so crazy in terms of enemy numbers and the amount of like projectiles and stuff that's coming out of you that I think it can become a bit of a sort of system hog. Um, I think you basically play this until you die or until your co- your PC can't handle it anymore, <laughs> uh, right. which is like a really awesome 
uh, like idea for a game. It just gets so mad that everything melts. Uh, admittedly, like as someone who's only really started playing this recently, like I haven't, I haven't got very far with it. Um, I can't push it into the truly mad stuff that I think this game's capable of. But uh, this seemed perfect. Uh, you know, it was running really smoothly. It's throwing around loads of stuff. It's graphically incredibly simple. Um, but it only needs an analog stick to play. Like it doesn't use any other buttons. It's really stripped back. Um, I could see myself playing a huge amount of this. Like even in between testing other things, I was coming back to this already to try it on the deck and play a little bit more of it. So um, yeah, it's like the perfect sort of uh, short but deep kind of micro arcade game thing. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really good fit. Yeah, but maybe when you push it to the, I don't know if if you push it when you push it to the absurd limits that this game can can go to, uh, if it will like struggle, that I that I haven't tested it. Yeah, I think Joe said that it wasn't verified for the Steam Deck when he played it. I don't know if it is now, but he said it was like it didn't feel like it was totally optimized for it at that point. Um, but I very much. This is a game I feel like I need to play before the end of the year, um, yeah. and this is and it's it is just sat there for almost no money. I should just get get on that and play it. So, how long do you kind of play it before the deck starts to struggle? Is it quite quick that you see the limitations of it? No, no, not at all. I mean, but that's that's what I was saying in terms of like where I am with the game. You know, like I haven't uh, you know upgraded my character. You have permanent upgrades that kind of build over the course of the game, which obviously push you into the kind of the more hectic play faster. At the moment, I haven't got those. So, you know, it can... I I can't survive long enough for it to become a problem, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Gotcha, right, that makes sense. Well, I'll pick this up then and I'll um, give that a go too because I need more game But it's so graphically simple. It it just looks very shot, you know, like sprite, sprite work looks really, really nice at that resolution. Yeah, it's just yeah, nice. Like the control, like the control parts are nice. Like the analog stick is a nice analog stick, and the buttons feel good. It, you know, it's it's not um, it's it's a pretty, you know, it's 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 nice in the hands, I guess. Yeah, it's. I think the sticks are better than the triggers and the bumpers. Um, like I'm yeah. not not totally sold on the buttons yet for like really complicated action games, but the sticks right. are really. Yeah, nice. I mean, I haven't really tried any of those any of those yet um mm. yeah it, it, it the closest thing it, 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 i can liken it to is is like a wii u gamepad mm. which is another very unsexy thing that was actually like quite comfortable uh, to use yeah, yeah so if you have an experience of that it's kind of in in that sort of ballpark there you go matthew picked the most niche possible peripheral that he has owned the wii u gamepad um but yeah <laughs> people have probably had a go on that so that's a good uh... yeah but it's got a similar like sight like, it, yeah, like yeah i have a muscle memory when i use the steam deck it's like oh yeah i remember like the gamepad used to feel like this and i'm playing xenoblade x on uh, at the moment uh so i'm you know i am still using a gamepad so it kind of yeah, you're playing Xenoblade uh, X on the uh, Wii U, Matthew. Haven't you heard about the Steam Deck? Can play uh, Xenoblade. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still humming the theme tune to yourself? One of our listeners really liked that you did the theme tune um, on the episode last <laughs> week. Um, but uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, awful, awful piece of music. 
<laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, okay, great shout. Well, that came out this year, right? So if I play it, I can add it to my Game of the Year suggestions if it's good. Yes, um, I think it's still in early access, right? Oh, it's, oh, fuck's sake. Well, that can still but go But you can put list. it in. I put an early access in Game of the Year. Yeah, I forget. I'm, I'm, I'm at an outlet where I can control my own rules, so I don't have to. Yeah, like literally do, do whatever we like. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to put Microsoft Paint in mine. That's going to be good. Uh, look forward to it. <laughs> Top 10. Um, okay, so <laughs> my next one is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. So. Very much inspired by a popular uh, Metal Gear XL episode with Rich Matthew, which went down amazingly. We were very happy with the response Ooh. to that. I thought I could download and play this because I'm I'm firmly in the post game in Metal Gear Solid Five. I've not played it for about six years at this point, and so I, my memory is that it was a very well optimized PC version. So, in terms of modern looking games that would run nicely on a handheld with more modest PC specs, this seems spot on, and it is. I think that like you still need to be willing to adjust things to get it like to a super perfect frame rate, but to be honest, out of the box, it just worked pretty nicely and looked fantastic. Um, still, mm. so all I did in this was I, I logged in to Motherbase. I was in debt for some reason, didn't know why, because obviously <laughs> there's like a whole economy part of this game that I had completely yeah. blocked out of my brain. Um, and then I kind of um, found some diamonds underneath like some uh, one of the on one of the struts in on mother base and we're suddenly back in the green which is good um and then um logged on to look at my messages and i basically my mother base had been invaded non-stop for the past like six years um <laughs> just like a procession of people going in killing my men and stealing stuff and like just completely fucked up my fob just in, in tatters um, so I thought I'd get a bit of revenge and went and found some players who were like basically 1% into the main story and just invaded oh. their base and used their like poor NPC lads as like basically cannon fodder to try and remind myself of how the game works and really good fun. But yeah, it's I because this game is when you get to the post game, all you're really doing is repeating content you've already done or walking around the open worlds. It's actually like... I think it's really, really good good for a handheld. Um, mm. And like I say, because it's originally made for 360 and PS3 as well as PS5, sorry, PS4, it yeah it runs it runs perfectly. And um, yeah, go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, I guess because like because you know Phantom Pain and modern Metal Gear sort of stems from a portable experience. You know, it, it, you know, peace, it has more in common with Peace Walker than anything else. Mm. That that kind of makes perfect sense. You know, yeah. it's obviously much scaled up, but yeah, the mission structure and the kind of time you can be expecting to spend in those missions. Uh, I could see, yeah, dipping into this for a, for a little, um, little bit of fun with Quiet before bedtime. <laughs> oh, God. It was the first thing I actually, like, installed. Um, not for Quiet-based purposes, just to be very, very clear. We all know what... Or Diamond Dog, or the horse. <laughs> the dog was, yeah, more appropriate. Um, I assume you've, you've downloaded a mod that patches that dog out, Matthew. Um, replaced it with a giant cat, maybe. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah. That sounds quite cursed, actually. But um... Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, the first thing I did was boot up and just like look at Snake sat in the helicopter that, you know, that kind of camera Ooh. angle you kind of load in on. And just that was such a great burst of this is what this handheld can do from playing it. Oh, it wonderful. Just really great stuff. And then what was the very, was this the very first game you saw in it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah, it was a great first experience. Uh, to be honest, though, I feel like. I signed about 18 different Konami EU LAs before I even got to that point. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> I, mean, 
I forget this is an online game and about 90 different things has happened to it. I think I even got a maintenance warning message for something that had happened a month before. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on in this game these days. But yeah. This is what they turn up at your house and they're like, we need one of your kidneys for the president <laughs> of Konami. And unfortunately, you have signed up for that. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem a bit like that, but uh, very impressive nonetheless. I'm definitely going to go replay a bunch of missions with all my nice toys I unlocked in 2015. You know, my hand of Jehuti and all my silly guns, so that'd be good. I um, love the idea of killing noobs and it just being like a warm-up. Like, <laughs> I wish you could tell them that. Like, I did this just to re- remember how to kill. <laughs> it was also, the the worst thing was, because of the, before you even got to the noobs, I was just going around Mother Base, beating up my own guys to remember how the buttons worked. And it was just like, you are my own people who I recruited and I'm beating the shit out of you for basically just to understand how this works. Yeah, they love um, it though. They're all like, thank you, thank you, boss. Please, sir, may I have another kind of vibes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those lads got uh, got pasted. And uh, yeah, shout out to the probably like... Um, sort of like slightly bored 19 year old guy who you know has done two missions in this game is having a good time and is now having money taken off of him via a premise he didn't even realize existed within the game so come see a- i rock find someone's put a bullet in his dog <laughs> <laughs> oh turn his that uh, could happen. turn his horse into glue you know um yeah <laughs> Sort of a run away with his version of quiet. We don't need to get into all this. Um, okay, so <laughs> and, what's and your... smashed his birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, good. So uh, moving on then, Matthew. So what's your second one? Is your second one a former draft pick? Uh, no, that was uh, so the second. <laughs> I haven't just picked these to troll you. <laughs> that um... would be a great angle for this episode. I'll be honest. <laughs> no, I, well, maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Father, first Gabriel Knight game. It's uh, Yeah, I wanted to try this because obviously I like my point-and-click games uh, and I was curious about how uh, mouse-led games would feel on this because I don't really play any strategy games, you know, traditional RTS or anything like that. So, you know, I thought, oh, this will be the easiest way to see whether or not I get on with this trackpad um, because that's definitely the input I'm most suspicious of. And... It feels very, very sensitive. I feel like I do have to do some tinkering, which I didn't have time to do with this. Like, you know, you've know, you you've got a little square pad and, you know, you're moving your thumb around on it to move the mouse cursor that you'd move in Gabriel Knight. Uh, and uh, then it uses the two triggers, I think, as left and right mouse button is the kind of setup. So the idea is that you're holding it with both hands, but your thumb's on the trackpad and your two fingers are on the on the triggers. Um, it works okay. I mean, admittedly, point-and-click games don't require, you know, amazing sort of reactions or anything. You know, it can be as, as slow as you like. So it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a little bit goofy. But um, I don't, like, maybe it'll come with to me in time. It didn't jump out as, like, oh, wow, they've really solved the, the problem of, like, mouse trackpad control, which some people have, the way they talked about the Steam pad, they're like, oh, I can never go back to an analog stick because the trackpad was so good. It's certainly not, like, a religious experience when you first use it, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a means to an end rather than a, a solution. Those two phrases mean the same thing, I just realised. That's a, a poor observation. <laughs> well, I said, yeah, so... <laughs> okay, I good, agree, correct, so the correct then. Correct there, we move on. Um, I think it gets you about like 70% of the way there. 
but there's still just something missing from the real thing, you know? Um, yeah. But that's okay. I mean, I managed to complete Max Payne 1 and 2 using one of those things. So, yeah, that's a game with, like, you know... Really? Yeah, yeah, that's how I played them. I played them with Steam Controller on my TV, like, six years ago. So, yeah, oh, I've used great. those things. Um, bit, I bit uh, Actually, instantly, I it didn't add it to my list because I couldn't get Max Payne to work, but I did install it. And while uh, there are steps online to to making it work but i think you have to go outside of the 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 normal uh, steam deck interface to kind of tinker with something remedy have done like a um like controller profile for it which i thought oh, was quite good that's really cool it's like yeah so like i like the like i think where steam deck can only you know it becomes better and it becomes more exciting if developers do think well people are going to revisit our games and go back i mean i would argue if you'd gone to the length of tweaking it there you know why why not maybe <laughs> tweak the thing you need to tweak that it runs on steam deck yeah i was gonna to say a youtube video but and nothing against remedy of course but yeah I, no, I, no. I i do i do agree like it would be nice for the compatibility issues with the old max Payne games to be solved on pc um just because they're oh. so they're so evergreen um and but maybe that's coming. not their problem to solve anymore i don't know well but, they're, not um, the pub- they're not the publishers and they're, they're, there's no. no financial incentive for them to do it they sold all the rights to those ser- to those series well, to Rockstar. and they're remaking one and two so why would you well, you, know. you know they put they made one or two backwards compatible on um xbox so someone presumably had yeah. to do the work of that it's probably microsoft who did that wasn't it but um yeah yeah but yeah out of the box it thinks it's a mouse keyboard game but yeah there is this if you can get it to work go into the controller options and there is like a remedy yeah made thing which is nice cool. ended up talking more about max Payne than gabriel knight um oh, well gabriel knight, like i i know really played this for like three minutes just to see what it was like walking around with a mouse per trap pad and went nah <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's a good segue matthew because my next one is a game i wouldn't recommend playing on steam deck so Ooh. sekiro shadows die twice one of my favorite games of all time um i think it was number one on my list of best games of the generation maybe it's number two after breath of the wild i don't remember that was fucking ages ago um but uh played this out of the box really quite slow I started on one of the snowy rooftops where you fight Genichiro Ashina and there's all these dudes with twirling blades coming after you. That may not narrow it down for a lot of people who have played Sekiro. It feels like that's happening everywhere, basically. But um, I thought it was just way too sluggish. And when I tried changing all the graphics things down to medium, it compromised the visuals too much and still didn't get near 60 frames. And for a game like this, which is all about timing, animations, precision based action combat you want that one-to-one feel of when you slice your blade or you parry it feels perfect and just because it's not 60 frames it just didn't do that for me and i think that you have to change too much of what is great about the game to make it work on this so that is one i recommend avoiding based on that um phenomenal game of course and it is steam deck verified but yeah you know just because you can doesn't mean you should i would say um so yeah yeah it's uh not everything can can handle it matthew it's uh just the mm. way of things well it's you know it's good to good to acknowledge these things yeah you know that's that's it i'm kind of installing all these things and just seeing how they variously perform and in this case it's sometimes you can take the frame rate hit depending on the type of game a couple of games i'll get into i think prove that but this is one where you, ju- you just need to play it with the best hardware you've got because i know on even on consoles it was um, when it, at launch it was 30 fps but 
Um, you can play it on the more recent ones at 60 FPS, and that is just so the way to enjoy this game, I think. Um, not to be mm. a frame rate guy, again, talking about things I don't understand. Um, so, what's your next one, Matthew? I've, I've played a little bit of AI The Somnium Files, which is a visual novel from uh, the chap behind the Zero Escape games. Uh, it has a sequel out this year, uh, now called the, I want to say like something like the Nirvana it- Initiative. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah, which I haven't played yet, um, but I I need to because I really like this first game. This is one that I did play through on my desktop PC originally, and I remember thinking like, what a huge pain in the ass this was. Just having to sit watching largely static scenes and just clicking, um, sitting at my my computer. It just it's it's not a very like dynamic or engaging PC experience. I don't like visual novels on PC. Um, I try and play them all on Switch if I can. Uh, yeah, this one, like, I just wanted to do a very simple, can I lie down in bed and, like, physically hold the Steam Deck where I need to hold it comfortably? Like, will it rest on my belly okay? <laughs> um, and it did. Um, obviously, this is a genre that isn't graphically demanding. Um, this is one of the fancier ones, and it has quite nice 3D models. But, um, yeah, I mean, really confirming what I thought would be the case is that this is just a really nice place to play visual novels um like switch can also do these things absolutely fine like there's no technical like uh demands that would trouble the switch in the genre i don't think um so really it comes down to like can you get them cheaper on pc which the answer tends to be yes uh this one is like i think it's like 50 quid on the switch like pretty much all the time Mm. um very rarely comes down in sales a lot of a lot of um the sort of more niche kind of visual novel games tend to be a a bit rough for that but um yeah on pc it was i you know that's why i bought it on pc back when because it was cheaper so yes you know surprise surprise steam deck good for that Yeah, for sure. I think um, another notable event that happened last week when I was, you know, compiling games to play on the on the Steam Deck was adding games published by Spike Chunsoft to my wish list. That was um, right. a lot of that going on last week. And yeah, because I, you know, I sort of am very aware that the nonary game Zero Escape is not available on Switch, but it is available on PC. It, during a sale, it will crash down in price to very, very cheap. And PC has a much more complete selection of visual novels than the Switch does, seemingly. Mm. Or at least, you know, comparable. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you've only got access to a Switch, I think you've got, like, a lot of the big hitters that you'd want. But PC, there's just... Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, the, they come to PC way, way earlier. And there's, like, room for, like, fan translations and things like that. Yep, plus, you know, have you heard of a little game called 428 Shibuya Scramble, Matthew? You can play that and, uh, yeah, on the Steam Deck. Yeah, Switch. Now. Exactly. That would, so, be, that would be a great, that should be a great game. I don't know why I didn't test that, actually. Yeah, um, well, that's on you, but we can always talk about that another time. That's fine. Yeah. Um, cool, yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Because I, I did buy the first um, of these games on Switch as well, and so um, I did pay, not 50 quid, but about probably about 20, something like that. So okay. it's, you know, a pretty, that must have been in a sale. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so but it, for a long, long time, that that price did not come down by more than a few quid. So, 
I, I completely feel you on that. Like um, the prices just crash on PC a bit faster for whatever reason. So nice to have that flexibility and a lovely screen for um, visual novels as well. I think it's just... the golden age of jazz awakening. <laughs> uh, I think that's on PC. That's good. Does that ever come down from 70 quid or whatever it costs when you bought it? I don't remember. Um, okay, good. So my next one, Matthew, is a very obvious one. Hitman 3. So I actually only ever played this through the Epic Game Store launcher, like I said, but runs really nicely like sort of seems to run at about 30 to 40 frames per second it goes slightly higher than your basic 30 fps you can see it being smoother when it's quieter on screen but generally speaking you're getting a sort of like ps4 level experience i would say um, in handheld form which is obviously fine because hitman is a very graphically intensive series i only played a couple of levels but thought that it looked fantastic on steam itself the um the steam version is deck verified so um I think this is like a perfect Steam Steam Deck game, Matthew, because you know once you get once you've experienced all the kind of story content, quote unquote, of a Hitman level, it becomes about optimization and you know having a run at a level and trying to string together a few kills can that's something you can tend to do in about around ten minutes once you get used to each level. So it was really really nice to just walk around the um, Hitman Island DLC level. I did that. I did that one, and then I did the Hitman Bank as well. I just thought I'd have a wander around the DLC levels. These are maybe like the some of the less intensive in terms of numbers of NPCs. Maybe I should have given Paris a whirl. But I understand this does seem to run pretty well on um, on on this uh, on Steam Deck with, without many compromises, Matthew. So I was very impressed by yeah. it. And I definitely think that like I could see this becoming the primary platform for Hitman for me. Much as I love the spe- uh, the spectacle, the optimization side of things, lovely to play a bit of Hitman in bed. You know what I mean? About twenty minutes uh, before you go to sleep, pretty good. Um, yeah, and, and while they are like visually very rich games, they've also got just such amazing, winning like broader world design and like art direction that I think you can dial that stuff down, and they still have like mega oomph to them. Yeah, likewise as well. It's not a game that's you know it's not like Sekiro it's not an action game it's a lot of the time all you're doing is choking a guy out and it's a very straightforward action to perform so it doesn't matter mm. that the frame rate is not as high as it could be that stuff doesn't really mm. matter at all so yeah perfectly at home on on here I found um yeah maybe there's some more tinkering to be done so it doesn't drain the battery in 50 minutes or whatever but hey um what's your last one here Matthew <laughs> Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 yes uh <laughs> I just wanted to play something from that that sort of tail end of the the 360 PS3 generation. Um, always a very good looking game, like you know, for its many flaws, it has some absolutely amazing Mercury Steam art design. Um, obviously, I love the first game. Second game's a little bit ass compared to it, but it still it still has its has its charms. Uh, the Gothic Castle in particular. So I yeah I, I put this on, had a little run around Dracula's Castle um, just to see how it how it ran, and you know yeah, it's like playing like the premium version of 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 that console game you know it's 60 frames no problems with any of the graphic settings i don't know if that's draining the battery horribly i'm not clever enough to look into those things um and uh, you know while you know i was only tinkering for a short while the controls held up perfectly you know the button you know buttons wise it's quite a you know intensive action uh, character action game so yeah i was yeah very, very impressed and um I'd hoped it was going to have wound you up a bit more, but I tested that of all things. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't know. Is there a way in which these games are wrong to me that I've forgotten about? Was there a draft where uh, I lost? No, it's a sport of... that we always bring up. We we mention Lord of Shadow 2 more than any other podcast. 
uh, has or should. <laughs> I was there thinking, why was it in your 2013 list? It was a 2014 game, right? So yeah, yeah. For you, all video games ended in 2014 when this released, didn't they, Matthew? This was yeah, like really this is the it. peak of the medium for you. Um, yeah, don't don't know much about this one, but. Um, yeah, like uh, always, just knew it didn't have as good a reputation as the first one for whatever reason. But um, yeah, but yeah. you know, in terms of when these things came out on PC and they put the PC ports, there, there was like the wow factor of oh, I played, you know, I kind of played this everything half settings on 360. What you know, where it was you know originally released, and like this sort of unleashes it, and that you can now play that standard on a handheld is mm. is is pretty cool. Yeah, I, one thing I downloaded but didn't play actually was DMC as well, which is from the same time, you know, right. adjacent type of game. So I imagine that would run great on there, just in terms of the demands of it and the the time it came from and the fact it was well optimized to begin with. So yeah, good um, good pick? Question mark. Um, <laughs> no, that's uh, perfectly fine, Matthew. Will you be playing the original Lords of Shadow as well? Is that something you'll yeah, go back I, to on hand? Yeah, out? I mean that that was that. Yeah, they they were both. Well, the first one was really well received on PC in terms of the port. They did a really, really nice job, and it's such a ornate game that actually it really does benefit from being on more powerful hardware. Like it, it kind of stepped up very nicely. So yeah, I will, um, I will try that at some point. Cool. Well, I've got four more here. Matthew's done his, so I'll um, try and cluster them together so it's not just me talking at no, Matthew. Right. So... You've played a lot more. I'm, I'm keen to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, I suppose like there's not really a link between these first two, Broforce and Yakuza Kiwami 2. Um, Broforce, a Devolver Digital published, free lives made, um, side-scrolling shooter made for co-op um, that released in around 2014. Feels like a very 2014-era indie game, I would say. Kind of like retro pastiche. You play as all these different uh, sort of parodies of action heroes from films based on Terminator and various Chuck Norris bullshit and, you know, all those kinds of people. So um, it's that combined with this very physics intensive environmental destruction where things are blowing up all the time. And like, even though it looks visually simple, it is kind of spectacular at the same time because there's so much going on in terms of falling objects and things exploding. Even at the time on PS4, it has some frame rate issues. So, was keen to play this under on, on Steam Deck because I thought, well, I, you know, it's it's got the power for it, and it's kind of a very, and again, a very snackable style game that's mm. ideal for a handheld. And yeah, I absolutely love Broforce. I think it's um, just one of the most like switch your brain off fun indie games i can sort of remember playing from the last decade and um really spot on for it did you play this one matthew i haven't played it no yeah i feel like it was pretty popular at the time i think it's a ps plus game so a lot of people did get it um but yeah it was, it was fun to go back to it mm. um then kiwami 2 obviously yakuza we have done a podcast on that before we've talked about yakuza a lot on these podcasts matthew admiring the old man faces in the game stuff like that and fabrics amazing <laughs> fabrics <laughs> i will say actually because this is the first one I've played in their more recent... Is it the Dragon Engine that they've got? the Right. Yeah. I got to properly appreciate just how kind of like detailed those old man faces really are. Um, because They're amazing. This is an amazing looking game. Yeah, it is. And I did kind of question, am I missing out on some visual spectacle by moving it to the handheld? And the answer is, maybe I am. But I do think it works better on a handheld than Sekiro does, for example. And I think that's partly right. because... You have this very brawlery combat that's not as precision heavy. Um, yeah. And it does still look amazing, even with the sort of like slight visual compromises you'll make to to get the 
get the frame rate quite smooth. Um, I don't mm. know if it's still advised or not, but again, Matthew, because I own this on PC, I didn't want to sit at my desktop playing this a Yakuza game. Do you know what I mean? It feels like it should yeah. be in hands. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever? Did there's you finish something, Kwan, There's something particularly bad. I played uh, Yakuza Zero on PC, and there's something about like whenever you're doing like the smuttier elements there's something about doing that at the work top it's like you're infecting like your workplace or your business place by like running a girls club or the thing where you ring up all the girls and try and chat them up or the thing where you uh, watch the videos of them having bubble baths <laughs> i don't think you have to do that but you know the yeah options there uh there's something like there's, there's something i don't it's the cliche of someone being walked in on when they're on their pc doing something dodgy and it's even though it's a game, I still feel like if there's something seedier, like when you blast out on the TV, it somehow softens the edges on some of these <laughs> games because you're like, yeah, here we are. We're in the middle of the house. We're watching some something that's slightly raunchy, but like deal with it. On your PC, it's kind of like private. PC is where you do like your your private spreadsheets. <laughs> it's a bit like someone walks in on you and you've got. There's no light in the room. It's pitch black. The only light is emanating from the monitor. And you sort of <laughs> you look inconspicuously sideways at the person who's come in. Like that person will never believe you are doing something innocent. Do you know what I mean? Like Just it's the look, yeah, you, that, that that is absolutely 100% it. It's the the sight of someone yeah, lit by lit by a PC monitor. It's just it is the it's the unholiest of light. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when you're playing, you know, Kiwami 2, you're like, hey, let's put, you know, enough of this game. Let's put a Denise Richards movie on. And it's like, yeah, that's, that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, some real insight there about Kiwami 2. Well, if, I look forward to playing more anything, of it. If anything, you can, like, handheld, you can kind of keep private things even more private. Yeah, that's true. No one needs to know about it. But I don't consider no, Kiwami 2 to be you know, like What you're doing, and you're like, I don't know, I'm just playing Grindstone or whatever, <laughs> but actually, bubble bath o'clock. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, good. Well, a lot a lot to think about there in terms of... Um... <laughs> a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Uh, okay, next up then. Uh, my, my last two games here are kind of combined, because they are sort of linked, actually. So there's uh, No Man's Sky and Sunless Skies. So... Um, oh, right couple of like thoughts here so no man's sky is a game i actually bought in the green man gaming sale last week it was like 16 or 18 quid or something which i thought was a good price for it obviously they've kept updating it in the year since release i played it at release i'm afraid i didn't like it one bit at all yes the planets look nice but it just the core loop of finding resources it was making it too hard to get to the visual spectacle stuff agree do you agree on that matthew yeah there's just no there was no game in it you know yeah so I know they've added a bunch more stuff. I, I can't speak to that because I'm still too early on. But I did put a creative mode on. It has quite a different few different ways you can start the game now. And creative mode essentially takes out the resource gathering elements. So you can just enjoy the spectacle and the journey a bit more. Um, did that and then kind of just wandered around a planet, got in a ship and kind of flew around a bit. And it is really nicely calibrated for the Steam Deck. I think it's because while the planets look nice they're never sort of hyper detailed it's not like playing a jedi fallen order where the planets obviously you know the textures are made for that one planet and stuff like that yeah yeah. everything's a bit more sort of like you know 
obviously it's procedurally generated so bits and pieces being thrown together but none of it looks that complicated um hmm. yeah so you know kind of quite nice to play a sort of game that's got you know infinite worlds but in the tiniest form factor possible um infinite I know that, worlds in the palm of your hand yeah and i know this i don't know what the switch version would be like of this but on steam deck it's more than acceptable i was actually quite impressed by it so um very very good Sunder Skies even more perfect. So um text heavy narrative centric game from uh, Fail Better Games um, makers of Fallen London. They previously made Sunless Sea. This is like a Sunless Skies is the kind of like float flying through space in a kind of steampunky ship uh, accompaniment to Sunless Seas which was about basically a submarine navigating like basically the Fallen London universes under underwater sort of like world um really kind of like visually spectacular even though you're gonna all you're doing is obviously looking at 2d art sort of um from this top-down view and the writing is perfectly legible on there the 2d art just looks really nice when kind of like shrunk onto a screen like that um just beautiful um sort of like design and kind of sense of universe really really good and this is another game that i I played at the start of the pandemic a bit, um, then found it maybe a bit too heavy. Um, literally, the last time I played this was the 15th of March 2020, like grim times. So, yeah, went back to it. Going back to it on the Steam Deck is kind of perfect, and I'll definitely like play a bit of this before bed each night. I've got to put the merciful mode on so I don't have permadeath, Matthew, because I'm a bit of a coward. Right. But, uh, yeah, do either of those appeal to you on a handheld? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have very little experience with the Sunless games. Um, that's a bit of a blind spot for me, so I, I need to dive into those and see what makes them tick. No Man's Sky, I played a chunk of when I was on RPS, because that's when they brought out the first big update that kind of, like, gave it the base building, and it took a lot more shape, and I made a very successful tips video. Nice. Um, uh, which was, like, a great early start on that channel, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, maybe this guy knows YouTube, and, um, <laughs> obviously not... But uh, yeah, not not a huge amount of desire to play it. But the idea of it being on a portable is 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 kind of cool, um, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think Summer Skies is likely to get more time from me on this, just because Ooh. the um, it's just so the kind of like quick you know re sort of like um, resume function is essentially perfect for something like this. So yeah, it's um, I would say that. You know, I can't speak for Fallen London. I've never played that. I only kind of like vaguely aware of the form of it and how that works. But Sunless Skies is really good as a standalone bit of um, a bit of sort of game to enjoy, essentially a bit of universe mm. to kind of like pass. It's not too complicated. There is a Switch version as well, but you know, because I got a Steam Deck, this saved me from buying the Switch version. So I was quite grateful for that. Um, so yeah, some those the, are my games. Some, some of the tweets about it, I sometimes think, hmm, Lardy da. <laughs> La di da, or what was that? Diddle D. It's not oh, that one. It's not D Diddle D because it's like <laughs> it's it's like the opposite of the yeah. Of it. It's like cause it's all sort of eldritch horrors in an eternal abyss. Um, like there isn't. I doubt there's a coffee shop run by a fucking depressed moose or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe there is one run by like a a depressed sort of like de- demonic entity or something like that. But yeah, um, just a void. Yeah, exactly. sprays espresso out. <laughs> uh, Anyway, yes <laughs> that was like what something i didn't pick you up on early actually is when you're talking about your family rift you said it's opened up a rift and i thought has matthew been playing dragon age inquisition because that's uh <laughs> more the interdimensional rift than uh family members falling out over a nintendo switch online subscription which don't get me wrong <laughs> it's a lot more fun to me as a person 
Um, yeah, so that's my little journey with the Steam Deck so far, Matthew. I hope you kind of enjoyed me babbling on a little bit there. No expertise yeah. whatsoever in the technical side, but just no, some anecdotal I, I experiences. But that's what people, I think that's what people need, isn't it? Because I think the problem with a lot of these things is that the initial wave of stuff you get online is from very tech-savvy people mm. or people who are so kind of entrenched in PC gaming that what is and isn't acceptable maybe isn't that useful to people who are, who are you know, potentially coming into this ecosystem for the first time or whatever. Mm. Um, so actually, yeah, like I would I, I'd much rather hear the experiences of you and uh, our excellent letter writer um, who both seem to come to the same conclusion, which is that, you know, it, it just hit this very particular sweet spot for both of you. And, you know, maybe judging that sweet spot when you, when you don't have one of these things is going to be hard, but maybe that's where this thing lives. It's just, it can, it's so, it can speak so specifically to, to very particular tastes and habits. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that there's definitely some some um, some logic to that and a through line. So I was actually because I hadn't read the letter in full before I started going, and I was like, oh yeah, this does tally quite a lot with my experiences. So yeah, mm. thank you for that, Andy. That was uh, very very good. So um, of the games I discussed, yeah, Secure is the only one I would say don't bother. Just play it on a regular PC or a console or something. But um, I think that's because, like I say, it's the most recent blockbuster level intensive game on there and those games are always going to be compromised because it's it's interesting seeing that like you know jedi fallen order was one of the games they used to advertise it but i mean will the next one run on steam deck uh, maybe at a push but you would think that this that that only coming to ps5 and xbox series xs is going to be more intensive and less friendly to the handheld so oh, yeah, you yeah. would just hope that people exercise caution in thinking this thing is going to play all, all new games forever because i don't think it will in fact it definitely won't but what, what it does do is still incredibly impressive particularly for the seasoned um, steam user um mm. so that's the end of the episode matthew that was uh, that was good fun so um, that took us exactly the length it took uh, England to win the Euros against Germany. Oh, congratulations! I was really sad to miss out on that in recording this podcast, actually. But I didn't oh, wanna... were you? I yeah, didn't know yeah. if you had any investment in it. Yeah, I'd watch the semi-final, but um, what can you do? Oh, That's, sorry, uh... I assumed we were doing this now because we were grouchy and didn't care about football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, you know, I was so invested in their success as a nice oh, story. But, yeah, um... well, they, well, they well spoiler alert, they won. <laughs> Well, there you go. For anyone who saved it a week, um, which people always do when they're watching football, don't they? Um, to watch the match of the day highlights or whatever, then uh, yeah, imagine it for a whole week not knowing, and this is where you found out. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, we'll be back next week with I've already forgotten what it is. The um, mailbag and mini game for all listeners, <laughs> but. Um, as mentioned, um, patreon.com slash backpagepod. If you'd like to listen to the Hitman levels re-ranked, we only ever did a top 10 before, so this time we'll do all of them, including Ambrose Island, the new one, and that will be the entire um, content of the podcast. And um, back us at the £4.50 uh, XL tier level. You can listen to that and uh, all the other Patreon stuff we've made to date. So that'll be, um, that'll be good fun. So, Matthew, mm. where can people find you on social media? Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts. You can follow the podcast at BackpagePod on Twitter. That was where you can also find a link to our Discord if you'd like to join our community. There's little uh, threads on episode chats and dropping questions to the podcast and there, stuff like that. You can also email us at backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch. Um, if you could leave us a review on the platform of your choice, we'd appreciate it, whether it's Spotify or Apple or 
whatever lets you review podcasts that just helps push us up the algorithm and uh our ambition to overtake ign uk in the charts i'm only joking that's uh that's a joke there's no rivalry there um just a little gag oh, and that uh, would be a foolish rivalry for us to i mean try we definitely stoke. lose definitely <laughs> yeah. a big like level one dark souls player like attacking the final boss in the first 10 minutes energy to that even um, just that guy on the horse outside the church <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's basically scribs <laughs> a rich analogy i'm sure he'll enjoy that um but yes uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week goodbye <laughs> bye